Good morning, everybody. I just want to tell you that you've entered into the house of the Lord where we love God, love others, and we make Jesus known. Amen, somebody. I'm really excited about this message that I get to preach to you today. Um, again, everything that I preach, it, it has to speak to me first. And this particular message um, is, is very real. And so I'm just going to ask that you would be real with yourselves today. Do you believe that God is enough? Do you believe that Christ is enough? Do you believe the Holy Spirit is enough? The triune God, do you believe that he is enough? My job today, my assignment, is to help you to believe that. Not by me and not by what I say, but what the scriptures has to say to you. I want you to know, again, that the scriptures are living and active and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting going in, cutting coming out. But we get caught up in the person. And I want you to get caught up in the person. If you're going to get caught up in a person, I want you to get caught up in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's it. And hear what he has to say. We're starting a series called Enough. Today I'm going to deal with God. Next week, Jesus. And on Mother's Day, I'm going to deal with us. Are we enough? Is he enough? And so we're going to answer that question. Everyone in here needs something. Everyone. You need something. And you're going to need it again. How many of you are hungry? Why are you hungry? Why are you coming to church hungry? How many of you are thirsty? How many of you are cold? We all need something. You're going to need gas very soon. You're going to need to eat very soon. And one day you're going to be cold, another day you're going to be hot. You're always going to need something. And there's only one person, one thing that can sustain you in everything. He is a constant and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the only one that can sustain you. Well, pastor, I got a husband. That's great. He's only good to be a husband. Pastor, I have a wife, and she completes me. No, she doesn't. She's only good to be a wife. I have children. Yep, they're only good to be your children. Nothing in life can sustain you like Jesus Christ. That's it. And so enough. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get into God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have, God, to be in your presence, to hear your word. Use me, God, for your glory. Let them hear you as I have. Let them see you, God, in every word that would be spoken today. 
God, that they would not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word. That your word would penetrate the deepest parts of their hearts and mine too. And that they might be able to use what they've learned in their day-to-day life. God, we thank you for this opportunity. And in Jesus' mighty name I pray. And the saints said, and the saints said, amen. When I was growing up, my daddy made me think that I needed him. He really did. Boy, because if, it was, if I wasn't in your life, you wouldn't be eating. You wouldn't have clothes on your back. Come on, somebody. Y'all got parents like that? We say that, and we make our children think that we need. I thought I needed my daddy more than I needed anybody else in this life. And I always tell the story of my father not telling me that he loved me. I didn't hear my father tell me that. He loved me until I was about 37, 38 years old, and I finally heard those words from my daddy. But I had to tell my dad, Dad, you've never told me that you love me. You've never said those words to me, and I desire to hear those words. And then he went into the story and gave me all kinds of excuses, the same type of excuses that he's told me since I was a kid, not to say And then we didn't speak for two months. For two whole months, my dad did not speak to me because he was angry with me. And then my mom called me, and she was very upset, and she was like, listen, you need to call your dad. I'm like, no, dad needs to call me. I'm not the one who put the chasm in between the the relationship. So finally, my father called me, and he told me why he never said that he loved me. And I thought it was the greatest reason and I understood, and there's not a time since the time I was 37 and 38, I can't remember exactly when, but every time we get off the phone, I'll say, I love you, Dad, and he'll say, I love you back. Or he'll say, I love you, son, and I'll say, I love you back. There's not a time that we don't say that to one another, but I felt that I needed that in my life. I felt that that was something that I needed. It wasn't. It was not something that I needed. It was something that he needed. I know that now because he told me a couple of weeks ago, he said, if you hadn't said anything, I would have never noticed. And let me just tell you why my dad never told me that he loved me, because he never heard it from his own dad. He never heard his own father say, I love you. His own father abused him. My father was hung in a closet like clothing. You know the bar, that the crossbar in the closet? He was hung from those by his fingers. He was suspended in air for at least an hour. Two of his fingers were dislocated because he was hung in the air by his father, along with his other brothers in a closet. So he thought that he was doing a great job at raising me if he didn't abuse me. But he told me that I needed that. I needed that because I feel a closeness between you and I. But again, even that love is not enough. The love that my wife gives me, it's not enough. The love that your husband gives you, it's, it's not enough. 
I want to illustrate this by going to a story that we know very well, but I want to look at it from a different perspective today. Jesus, in Luke chapter 15, he's being challenged by the religious folks of that day. And they're saying, Jesus, why do you hang around sinners and why do you hang around tax collectors? Why are you eating with these people? And so Jesus goes into the three stories and he tells them that first there's a hundred sheep, one leave, the man goes and get him and bring him back to the fold, right? And there's rejoicing for the one. The second story he tells is of 10 coins. I talked about this about three weeks ago. It's of 10 coins. A woman lost one. She finds it. There's rejoicing. And then the last story is where I want to illustrate enough. The last story is with the prodigal son. And I want you guys to know something about this story. There's three people in the story, but they represent other people. There is an older son, a younger son, and there's a dad. The dad represents God the Father. The son, the younger son, represents the sinners and the tax collectors. And the older son represents the religious people, the religious folks of that day. So the son goes to his dad, the younger one, and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now because I'm going to leave you. I'm, I'm going to take off. A young child. In other words, what he's saying is, Dad, you know what? I don't care if you're living. It doesn't matter to me. Give me my money. I'm gone. That's a slap in the face. That's an insult because I know a lot of us here that have children. We're trying to put you know, money away, property away for our children, for an inheritance. Just think if your child came to you and said, I want my inheritance today. I want it now. And you said, yep. Now, by tradition, and I want you guys to read Luke chapter 15 on your own time. I want you to read it because there's one thing that I did not notice in that story. He got his inheritance, but so did the older brother. Did you know that? It says it right there. I'm like, how many times have I read this story and I did not notice that the older brother had received an inheritance as well? Because by tradition, if one gets, gets it, then the other gets it. But here's what I know. The younger brother only would get a third of his inheritance. The older brother would get the two-thirds. So the older brother got his two-thirds, and here's what happened with the younger brother. The younger brother goes out. He goes to Las Vegas in our day. He goes to Vegas and he starts spending all his money until he's broke. So he says, all right, well, I guess I'll get a job. He goes and get a job on a farm. And he's feeding pigs. How many of you guys know what pigs eat? You know what pigs eat? You ever been to a pig slop? You ever seen that? It is nasty, and it is stinky. And this is a very wealthy young man, and he gets a job feeding pigs. And the food starts to look delicious to him. It starts to look good to him. Can I tell you that if you're starving, food 
any food, anything that you can get. How many of you have seen people digging in trash cans looking for food because they're hungry? When you look at the book of Genesis, what was the problem in the book of Genesis with Adam and Eve? What was the issue there? Was it food? No? It wasn't food? It was their appetite. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14 through 16, it says this. It says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derived its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. If we could kill the monitors, because I think the monitors is what's making me uh, echo. Uh-oh. <laughs> God has enough to feed us. And although that sounds funny, it's a very true statement that God has enough to feed us. I'm a vegan now. That's horrible. And I'm not going to front with y'all like vegan is good. It's not good, not to me at least. <laughs> Being a vegan is not good. And I see y'all eating y'all chicken and beef burritos. And I desire to just slap you upside the head because you know that I'm a vegan. Isaac was eating this huge burrito in front of me saying, oh, this is delicious. And I'm like, man, come on, like, have some respect for the vegans. But it's not, it's not what I desire. It's not what I want to eat. And the more that I eat this food for health reasons, the more I desire your food. My appetite my appetite is not for that. So when I say that God has enough to feed you, I am not talking about food. I'm talking about your appetite. That's what I'm talking about. The problem in the book of Genesis was their appetite. You can eat from any tree, stay away from that tree. And then somebody came and said, appetite. Try that one. And so they tried it. Then Jesus, faced with the same situation, the same exact situation, if you are the Son of God, change that stone into bread. And Jesus said that man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, bread represents the things you desire. It's okay to want to make more money. It's okay to want a promotion. It's okay to want to be better. It's okay to want to be known. All those things are okay. They're just bread. But if 
they come before the word of God, you're going to find yourself empty every single time. God's word is enough for us. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. God has enough to clothe you. Remember, when the son came home, the father waiting for him to come home, the prodigal son, waiting for him to come home, looking over the, the horizon. The Bible doesn't say that he ran outside. He was already outside waiting for the son to come home. And when he came home, the son said, I have sinned against you and I have sinned against God or sinned against heaven. And the dad said, it's, it's okay. And the Bible says that he told his servants, go get a robe, go get a ring, go, go get that Gucci robe, right? And go get a ring for his finger and go get sandals for his feet and let's clean him up and kill the fattened calf for our child has come home. Only God has the ability to clothe you. Every person in here got up this morning and you were like, I'm going to wear this, right? And you looked at yourself in the mirror and you said, this was good, right? Now, let me see what you're wearing then. You said, this is what I'm going to wear today. You covered yourself so that we didn't have to see things. And can I tell you, the only proper way to cover yourself is in Jesus. That is the only, if you cover yourself any other way, then here's what you're doing. And I'm not speaking against this. I just want you guys to be careful. There are people that I am friends with on Facebook and on Instagram that they will not put a picture up unless there's a filter over. Stop it. <laughs> unless there is a filter over them. And it's like, you know what? It's just, let's see, let's see you. It's okay. But it's a cover-up. You're not able to cover your insecurities. Being a bully is an insecurity. It's just a cover-up. And I will call your bluff on being a bully. It's just a cover-up. And for the other insecurities, you try to cover up the insecurities. There's only one proper cover. See, when Adam and Eve realized that they had sinned against God, they started trying to cover themselves with fig leaves. And God was like, what, what are you guys doing? What, what? And they were like, we realized that we were naked. We realized that we're not wearing anything. And God said, who told you that? And then he properly covered them. He is the only one that can properly cover us and give us the confidence that it takes to walk this thing out and not be these People that are not humble. Amen. Sometimes I have to watch myself, catch my words, because I may say something. I got my wife here, and she's like, you okay? You know, I, I caught myself on that when I was about to say something that I wasn't supposed to say. So thank you for, for vibing with me right there. I appreciate you, because I was definitely about to, to blow that one. 
The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61, it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. You know, I think that when we look at the Old Testament and we see what Jesus has done, we ought to be people that, that are like, you know what, I don't need to cover myself anymore. Jesus was naked on the cross for me. I'm not telling you to get naked, literally. I'm talking about transparency. Jesus put a robe on you. He clothed you in righteousness and the Bible says that we also wear a garment of praise. So when we come into this place knowing that he has saved us, we should have a garment of praise. There should be a praise on our lips. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. This is a place for praise. This is a place for worship. This is a place where we lift up the name of Jesus because of what we are wearing. He's made a way. See, when we go to concerts, man, we give it up for whoever is there. You have a garment of praise, but you're using it in the wrong place. Bring your garment of praise to church. It's okay. Come to the front. Give God praise and glory and honor, for he is due. He's given you a garment for that. He's taken away the spirit of heaviness and given us the spirit or the garment of praise. Oh, we haven't experienced that yet. Uh, Pastor, you preaching Pentecostal today. No, I'm not. I'm preaching the praise. Have you seen people at concerts jumping around and body surfing and all that stuff, right? And they're not even paying attention to the person that's actually singing. Come on, y'all been to concerts before. They're not paying attention. They're out there having a good old time because of the music. Well, we know the creator of the music. We know the one who put us here. We have a relationship with him. We should be praising his name like crazy. Like crazy. Yeah, absolutely. We should be losing our minds. It's okay. It's okay. And trust me, it's, hap it's going to happen. It's going to happen where people will not be so shy to come to the front and lift their hands or however you praise, however you do it. But don't let the concerts outdo the church. We can't do that. If you at the concerts doing like this, then you should come to church doing like this. Right? If you at the concerts doing like this, then you should come to church doing like this. Right? I need somebody with some music back here. I feel like dancing today. He's given us a garment to be able to praise his name. That spirit of heaviness that you have, that we all get at time, man, when we come into this place, it is time to just take it off and remove that thing and throw on that praise and tell God who he is. Tell him who he is to you because he's given us 
a garment of praise. Do you know why he's given it to us? Because he is enough. He is enough. You know that God has enough love? He has enough love. We don't have to go looking for love in all the wrong. We don't have to do that. We don't have to look for love in all the wrong places because we have a God that love us. We don't have to look at circumstances and trials and tribulations to try to figure out whether God loves us. You don't. You're going to have trials in this life. You're going to have trouble in this life. But guess who gets you through? Guess who woke you up? Started you on your way. Clothed you in your right mind this morning. At least I hope so. Got you here for you to give him praise and glory and just honor him one more time, one more day. He has enough love for you. The Bible says, and I love this verse, singing James. It says that if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. And y'all got to get that. He says to wash your hands, you sinners. And you double-minded people, get it right. This is all he's saying. I don't move. So if you feel separated from me, it was you. Wash your hands. And come to me. Listen, if that speaker right there does not move, God says, draw near to me. The only thing I have to do is step. Look, I'm, I'm nearer to it already. The speaker is not going to move. Draw near to me and, and I'll draw near to you. If I move again, I'm closer to the speaker. God is not going anywhere. God is not looking at what you did. He's looking at what his son has done. So we're so worried about what we've <laughs> I did this and I did that, and God doesn't know. He's not looking at that. Draw near. Get closer to him. Because he loves us enough to sustain us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38, for I am convinced. How many of you are convinced that God loves you? I mean convinced because we are quick. We are so quick to say, God bless you, and I'm blessed, and I'm blessed and highly favored. We're so quick to say those things, but I'm asking you a question. Are you convinced? Because that convincing, and let me just go back to what I was saying. When you are convinced that God loves you, that's where your praise comes from. That's where your worship comes from, because you are convinced that he loved you. It says, 
For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, and let me just add the past, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creations will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that enough for you? Does that cover everybody? Does that cover everything? There is nothing. There is no circle. There is no angels. There is nothing that can keep you from God's love. Just because somebody doesn't love you doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Just because you're going through something, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. As a matter of fact, how many of you have been through something that killed you? Oh, that's a crazy question, Pastor. How many of you have been through something that killed you? You better not raise your hand. None of you. You know why? You're still here because God loves you. And even if he took you, he's going to show you that he loves you by bringing bringing you to himself. He loves you just that much. He has enough to use you again. When the son, the prodigal son, when he went home, immediately the father said, get some sandals on and get a ring on him. Get that Gucci robe. Taking care of him, right? He goes into the house. You know what's going to happen with this son? He's going to go back to work with his father. His dad is going to use him again all over again. He didn't ask him where you been. He didn't ask him why did you leave. He didn't ask him any questions. He just said, let's go. Kill that fat calf. God can use you again. Because sometimes what we do is we say, you know what, I've done too much. God doesn't want me. God doesn't want to use me. And let me just use myself. Because I can tell you this, And my wife can attest to this. My daughter can attest to this. And and my son is here. He can attest to this. When I first, when I came back to the Lord for the last time, which would be the 20th time, when I came back to the Lord for the last time, I felt like there's no way that God is going to use me again. There is absolutely no way that God, I, God, thank you for saving me. I appreciate that. But I know that you're never going to use me to teach again. Because I used to teach middle schoolers, and that's where I started. I started off teaching middle schoolers. And I absolutely loved it. But I let the enemy get in the way and cause division between me and God, and then me and the church, and me and the ministry that he had entrusted me with. And I just thought, God, no, you you can't use me again. And then I would stand before people, and I would care so much about what you thought about me. I would care so much about pleasing you that I couldn't get the message across that God wanted me to get across. But when I look at the son, I see that he is accepted again by the father that quick. No questions asked. I'm going to use you again, Robert. And if there's anybody in here, I'm speaking to you. 
that you feel like you've gone too far for God to use you again, you're absolutely wrong. It is the same anointing, the same one that created the world that is now in you. The same power, same power, same power, same power lives in you. If you wasn't here last week, you don't know that song. The same power now lives in you. And what are you going to do with it? With that power. And lastly, he has enough for you too. Sounds crazy, don't it? He has enough for you too. So I'm talking about somebody different. So God is the father in this story. Then the son who came back, he's the sinner and a tax collector. But then there is a religious person. It's the older son. He goes and he stands outside. He doesn't want to go inside. There's a party going on for the younger brother. The older brother is jealous and upset. And the father goes outside and he's like, what is wrong with you? And he said, I never left you. I've been here with you the whole entire time. I never left you. And you know what the dad said? This was all yours all along. All along, it was yours. The fat calf, the ring, the sandals, the robe, it was all yours. And for those who feel like, me too, you feel like God has looked over you? Like, man, I've been in church for six years, and somebody come in six days, they get a husband. You feel, you feel overlooked. You start to feel over. No, you too. God has not forgotten about you. You too. Those of you that are above this message, you too. Every person at the sound of my voice, you too. It's all of us. He can use you. The question is, do you believe it? The question is, is he enough? Because if God is enough, then he can use you too. The religious person, the sinner, he could use you. The one that he brings home, God can use you. I want you guys to know today that God is enough. And if you've ever felt like he was not, I'm here to tell you, He's enough. He illustrated in this story that he's enough. He's enough to feed you. He's enough to clothe you. He is enough to love you. He's enough to use you again. And he is enough to use you too. Whoever you are, he's enough. If we can stand on our feet and let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, give it up for Jesus. He's awesome. Do you believe he's enough? I've realized what, what my calling is. I know what my calling is. 
and that's, that's fortunate for me. But how many of you know what your calling is? And besides your calling, how many of you know that God has called you to be in a relationship with him first? That he's called you to be into a loving relationship where he is enough. Enough for you. Enough to sustain you in this life. A lot of times when we lose sight, when you lose sight and focus of him, what happens is we, he gets the blame. God, why this? And God, why that? But remember, he is the one who is enough, and he knows exactly what you need and when you need it. And when we trust in him and we come back to him, see, what happened with this young man is that he was about to eat pig slop. And we're talking about what seems to be a wealthy family. And I don't want anyone to be living below the standard that God has called them to. And if he called you a royal priesthood, if he called you sons and daughters, it means our appetite should be for him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He wants to fill you up. He wants to fill you up. But, but are, do you hunger for the things that he desires? He shall be filled. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? The necessities of life. But then those spiritual things, God got those. Those things. Your flesh, you're a soul and you're a spirit. Your flesh being conscious of this world, your soul is conscious of yourself. But then your spirit is the only thing about you that is connected to God, that can get in contact and connect with God. So what has to happen is your soul, where all is, which is called the seat of your emotions has to fight and battle with your spirit with your heart and then what happens is one day I remember someone made an altar call and I'm battling within myself do I want a changed life do I want a relationship with Almighty God. And the Spirit goes, yes. If the soul wins, another day. But if the Spirit wins, God is enough. If we can just close our eyes just for a moment. God, we thank you for the opportunity, God, to be here in your presence. And God, we thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for the forgiveness of sins. And today, God, I pray that you have touched my brothers and my sisters' hearts.
that you, Father, would glorify yourself today. We ask, God, I ask myself first for forgiveness of all my sins, God. For the sins I've committed, for the sins that I've omitted, I ask you, God, to forgive me. For those times, God, that I felt like you were not enough, that you were not there, God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you, God, would forgive me today. I know that you love me. I know, God, that you've made a way. I know, Lord, that you are my king. You are my Lord, God. But I repent first. If there's anyone else who would pray that prayer with me this morning, if you just lift your hand up. See the hand. Is there anyone else? See the hands. I see the hand. I see the hand. What we're doing is we're asking for forgiveness of sins. We're asking God, His Holy Spirit, to come into our lives. We're asking Him to be Lord of our lives. And for those of you who have lifted your hands this morning, you've made the best decision you could have ever made. There is rejoicing in heaven for you right now. And if the church could just give the Lord a hand of praise.